Okay. You're on. <laughs> I can play your little song if you have to hear it. it. Just as soon, just as I was about to start talking, is when Skype beeped. In my ear. <laughs> Listening to the Comic Book Informer podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now, here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 223 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on July 15th with our San Diego Comic-Con 2015 extravaganza. How'd you like San Diego Comic-Con this year, Roger? Every time I either looked on Twitter or I looked on some news sites or whatever, I saw more TV and movie news Mm -hmm. than I did comic books. It was insane how much they were talking about that. Not to mention the obvious Star Wars, which was... And that was with Sony and Marvel's movie division completely skipping the show. Yeah, it was an insane amount of TV. Now, now I'm not complaining. We watch all of those, and we (laughs) dig almost all of them, and we're excited for the new ones. So that was cool. I'm I'm fine with that. But uh, as we said during the gaming podcast, like there was next to no gaming news, which is odd for an SDCC. And I also found that there, there, was, there was Street Fighter. I can talk about Street no, Fighter. No, we're not. God damn it. It's no. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Start your own damn fighting podcast if you want to talk about that. Oh, God, I put an idea in his head. <laughs> you could do it with Alicia. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. I'm done saying. <laughs> Well, yeah, for me, it was a pretty subdued year because Marvel, at least, again, comics-wise, Marvel didn't really have much new to show us because, well, we're in the midst of Secret Wars. We already know where things are going after Secret Wars. So basically, they could kind of tiptoe around answers for questions they're not ready to field yet. And then DC, for the second year in a row, DC didn't really have much for us either because... As they've shown for the last couple of years now, they're not interested in talking about long-term plans. Like every panel was, here's what's happening in next month's issue. So I don't know. And then Image, they've started doing their own things with Image Expo. So news-wise, there's not a lot out of Image to come from San Diego Comic-Con. They still have a big presence. They still do a lot of panels, but you know, nothing newsworthy. So yeah, comics were pretty down at Comic-Con this year. I agree. I agree. And the news that we got, with a few exceptions, were, was either something that was obvious that we already knew, or that's kind of meh. There were a few things that were justifiably, oh, that is damn cool. But overall, I'm not gonna lie, I was really not all that impressed with this SDCC. No, I I, I kind of agree. So, and 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 even though. <laughs> Everybody lost their crap with the Batman versus Superman trailer. We're, we're, we're getting there. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. 
<laughs> All right. So as is tradition, we have to start off with the 2015 Eisner Award winners. And I actually want to start off with a big congratulations to the team over at Comics Alliance. I've made no uh, attempts to hide that Comics Alliance has been my favorite comics website for many, many years now. And it's been a rough couple of years for them with AOL deciding they weren't worth the money and laying off the entire staff, making a comeback. And finally, they won uh, as best online publication this year. So good job, guys. Awesome. As for the actual comic winners... Uh, best short story, When the Darkness Presses by Emily Carroll. I did not read that one. <laughs> uh, best single issue, Beasts of Burden, Hunters and Gatherers by Evan Dorkin and Jill Thompson. Again, not familiar with that one. Best continuing series, as has become standard, of course, went to Saga. That pisses me off. And, oh, no big surprise there. I know. But it does. <laughs> just because, like, okay, we get it. You guys have a hard-on for this series. I said it. I'm might bleep it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be okay with that. We one. think so. Okay, because man, this is like okay. Enough's enough. We get it, and it is a good series. And mm-hmm. and I I hold to everything that I've said about it, both positive and negative. And and the positive stuff, yes, is great. The negative stuff, I think, is stupid. But that's just an opinion. But it's not worth yet another one of these, especially when you compare it to everything else that's out there. There have been a ton of fantastic continuing series. This, I'm sorry, but I, I, I genuinely don't believe it's the best. And I certainly don't believe that it should have won yet another one for the best one compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, while I agree with pretty much everything you said... Out of all the nominees, it's what I would have voted for because the, the Walking Dead has been garbage. We've established that. Southern Bastards really liked it, but I think it only had five issues come out. Hawkeye, again, fantastic, but with its publishing schedule, how many issues of Hawkeye have come out <laughs> in the past year? Seven at the most. Uh, Bandette, I haven't read. And Astro City, I haven't read in many, many years. So out of everything nominated, it's what I would have voted for. <laughs> but that's the problem. They didn't nominate the right ones. And well, I know it's easy to we say had that, that because discussion it's a couple months ago. Exactly. So when you're looking at the nominees, okay, yeah, fine. But there should have been other ones nominated. A lot of other really, really good ones. Mm-hmm. Best limited series went to Little Nemo, Return to Slumberland. It's a hard word. It's okay. Yeah, it happens. By Eric Shenower and Gabriel Rodriguez from IDW. We're going to have to talk about that in an upcoming episode because I've heard too many great things about that. Mm-hmm. Best new series went to Lumberjanes by Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, Noel Stevenson, and Brooke A. Allen from Boom, another comic I've heard nothing but praise for. So uh, maybe we'll take a look at that one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, skipping over some of the other publications, uh, best digital or web comic went to Private Eye by Brian Vaughn and Marcos Martin from Panel Syndicate. No surprise there. Uh, first of all, it was a good series. Second of all, what it's done for comic distribution is uh, really important. Best writer went to Jean Luen Yang for Avatar The Last Airbender from Dark Horse and The Shadow Hero from First Second. I have never even heard of Shadow Hero, but those Avatar comics are really damn good. Apparently neither one of them was nominated, though, for other awards. I believe Avatar was, was nominated it? for something. Okay, yeah. I didn't see that. All right. Because the Avatar stuff I've read. And, and as we said, good. it was a tough year for best writer. Yeah, I don't think this one should have necessarily won, 
best writer, but I will say that the Avatar stuff that I've read, these things have genuinely been very good. And I am a huge Avatar fan, as most people are, but uh, but I still don't think it should have been best writer. Mm-hmm. Best writer slash artist went to Rina Telgemeier for Sisters from Graphics and Scholastic. I I thought Stan Sakai was a lock this year, but I guess I was wrong. It happens. Mm-hmm. Best penciler slash inker went to Fiona Staples for Saga from Image. I don't disagree, but again, we've talked about this category how many years running about how the nominees are complete BS for this category every year Mm -hmm. because it only refers to people who ink their own work. Best painter multimedia artist went to J.H. Williams III for the Sandman Overture for Vertigo in D.C. Gorgeous comic, absolutely worth it. Best cover artist went to Darwin Cook for DC Comics Darwin Cook Month variant covers. Last year, we thought Mike Del Mundo should have won, but we accepted Aja. This year, Mike Del Mundo got freaking robbed. Nothing against Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook is a very good artist. If Darwin Cook won Best Cover Artist in a year, where he did nothing but draw Darwin Cook comics as a special job, he should win every year because his art style is great. All of his comics are in that very same art style. So if he's the best cover artist this year, he should be the best cover artist every year. And Mike Del Mundo deserves a freaking Eisner. (sighs) Deep breath. Okay. Best coloring went to Dave Stewart for half the comics published by Dark Horse. Uh, Okay, great. I don't read a whole lot of Dark Horse stuff, but he colors all the Hellboy stuff, and those always look pretty damn cool. Best lettering actually went to Stan Sakai. That was actually a surprise, so at least he won something this year. And uh, as we said, uh, best comics-related periodical and journalist went to Comics Alliance. One of these years, we're not going to hate the results, Roger. I have faith. One of these years, they're going to get it half right. I don't have faith. No faith at all. None. <laughs> None. And like a lot of people are saying, oh, this year's Eisner's, like the, the winners were a big shift. I'm like, really? Because it looked pretty much the same as every year to me. I, I don't know about that. There was even more this year that I've not read. And again, we read a lot of comics. We read mm-hmm. a lot of comics. There's a lot of comics that we read that we don't talk about here. <laughs> and... And there's a lot of these that I have not read this year. Well, it's not unusual for some of those, like, super obscure comics to win for, like, you know, the best short story, best single issue. A lot of those, I can't remember the last time we read one of those. (laughs) But overall, with, you know, the the big categories, writers, artists, whatnot, I'll I'll give writer as kind of a, a, a shock this year. But overall, the big winners were pretty much the same stuff we see every year. Yeah. And then, as you said, the biggest news coming out of Comic-Con this year was, of course, the movie trailers. We got a proper trailer for Batman versus, or sorry, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I'm not as super excited for it as everybody else on the planet seems to be, but I'm more interested now than I was before the trailer came out, at least. Mm, Not for me trailer did nothing for me which isn't to say that it was necessarily a bad trailer it was a very good trailer in terms of what it did and the excitement this and that okay fine but it's like i 
I, I I'm not crazy about either of those actors. Let's be honest. I. I, I never made a big deal about Affleck like a lot of other people did mm-hmm. kind of deal. But that didn't mean that I He's thought, much hey, better he's, behind the camera than he is in front I of it. I just don't see him in this role. And Which is good news. He's writing and directing the solo Batman another movie. Another one, yeah. Yeah, just what we need. It's, it's like Groundhog Day, but with Affleck. It's like three more years of brooding. <laughs> <laughs> so He's super brooding in this one. It is. That's the thing. And Affleck, a lot more than a lot of other actors... Too, when he's brooding, he doesn't look like he's brooding. He looks like he's pouting. There, it, it doesn't look like the Batman brooding. It looks like he's pouting. It really, really looks like he's pouting all the freaking time. And I don't know. Like this is again yet another one of these. Let's force heroes to fight each other because hey, it's entertainment. I'm tired of that storyline. And more than that, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Wow, that's not good at all. <laughs> that's just bad. Um, that no, no, thank you. So yeah, I I wasn't impressed. It didn't interest me any more than anything else that we'd seen about this. It still is, and I mean, I really seriously dug the last Batman trilogy. Even the bad stuff, I still kind of it was a fun ride kind of thing, despite the issues. But this is like. I just really am not interested in this at all. Mm-hmm. If they told me yeah, it's delayed for a few years, I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. I, I really don't care. Freaking season two of The Flash? Cannot wait. Even <laughs> next season of Arrow. Man, really looking forward to that. Not enough that yeah. I'm excited about the costume. A lot of the, the TV costume. stuff they showed off was pretty darn cool. I'll give but, you that. Yeah, I'm excited. But this? Yeah, whatever. And then... It leaked out online. I didn't watch it because I have no interest in watching somebody's grainy cell phone video. But it leaked to the point where Warner Brothers was essentially forced to officially release it with one of the most passive-aggressive press releases you'll ever read in your life. We got the full trailer for Suicide Squad. And if you were uninterested in Dawn of Justice, this must have put you to sleep. I actually watched the the leaked trailer first. and And I haven't been really keeping up with this all that much with the exception of the freaking joker reveal that set the internet on fire i really wasn't keeping up with this and so i thought wrongly apparently that folks really didn't weren't all that excited about this didn't really care and then i watched the freaking leak trailer and the good thing about the leak trailer is yeah it's hard to see the trailer kind of thing you get the crowd reaction you get that crowd reaction People were wigging out. And I'm thinking, did they fill the audience with freaking people? They must have. Listen, the people in that audience have been standing outside for 28 hours straight. They'll cheer for anything. Oh, my God. But, yeah, they were cheering. I'm going, they even cheered for Joker. And I'm going, no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> did so people suddenly accept this? Because they weren't for the longest time. And, and, yeah, people were cheering. And the trailer itself was like, I'm really not invested in this one at all. And Not even close. Yeah, I, I'd like to be, especially because of how much I'm enjoying Arrow and The Flash. And this is using a lot of those characters, sadly different actors, but same mm-hmm. characters kind of thing. And so I'd like to be excited for this. I would really, I'm, I'm, I'm still hopeful that it'll be good. And it, it might very well be. We'll have to wait and see. But the trailer really didn't do much for me. And the thing about this that like most troubled me like i can understand it from a marketing standpoint that harley was you know pretty much front and center at all times which two things first of all 
Captain Boomerang and Deadshot should be the most important characters in this movie. And it's entirely possible they are, but Captain Boomerang was barely in the trailer, yeah. <laughs> let alone. <laughs> but I'm convinced nobody at DC or Warner Brothers knows what Harley Quinn is supposed to be as a character anymore. Because it's been a decade since we've seen a character I would consider Harley Quinn. And this certainly wasn't it. When was the last believable Harley Quinn? The animated series? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> the the one-shot comic that Zub wrote? <laughs> the, the granny Harley in Batman Beyond. <laughs> Injustice Harley. She was awesome. Credit where it's due. Yes. 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 But I still prefer granny. The granny from freaking Batman Beyond is the best with the twins' granddaughters. Yes. I can't remember their names. It's just, oh man, I, it's, it's the exact same feeling I got when the Green Lantern trailer came out. Remember when the first Green Lantern trailer came out? Everybody on the planet thought it was the greatest thing around. And I went, no, it's not. What trailer are you watching? Who was right? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Guess. Well, like I said, I really didn't care much for the trailer for this either. So, yeah. Anyway, enough crappy movies tv show stuff looked good like you said flash looked good arrow looked good i uh, like some of the stuff they talked about for agent carter coming up so it, it's it's at least gonna be a good tv year yeah it's gonna be an insane tv year are you kidding me like there's a bunch of stuff that looks really good that we're getting and uh and then carter coming back and they've been talking about the different actors from the first season that are going to be back for the second so bravo there that's that's fantastic and uh and so, yeah, and then there's also the Legends of Tomorrow as well that's going to be coming out with some mm-hmm. of the heroes from the, the Flash and uh, Arrow. So, and that's not even talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. Dude, we're getting mm-hmm. some awesome stuff. Yeah, plus the the Secret Warriors thing that they're doing with S.H.I.E.L.D. Like it, mm-hmm. It's going to be a great year for comics TV. <laughs> it really is. It really is. a great time to be a comic fan, you know, for, for TV viewing. And, and now... It's cool. Like, we're the cool people. Who knew? <laughs> it all comes in cycles, yeah. Roger. As for actual comic news, uh, I, I don't want to snub DC, but like I said, they really didn't have anything to show that I was remotely interested in. Like, it doesn't help that a lot of the comics I'm not terribly interested in right now, and the comics that I am interested in didn't get any coverage or, or very little at best like hearing scott snyder talk about batman cool but again we really didn't get any news out of it the only news we got from all of the bat related comics was that apparently it's the year of robin <laughs> that we are getting the robin war event and a new weekly series batman and robin eternal and everybody knows how we feel about damien so major DC news, really a big wash from me, but there was a very small bit of DC news that really excited you. And it didn't excite you? Oh, it excited me, but it you're the one that's ex- talking about it, so that was called a segue, Roger. Freaking hell, yeah, but you didn't make it sound like it, you made it sound like it was just me. Anyways, Krang is transporting the turtles to another dimension, and he's dropping them in freaking Gotham. <laughs> now, I saw the picture. Obviously, that was the first thing I saw. Batman, TMNT, crossover. I'm there. Sold. You had me. And then I'm reading up on it. And then I'm reading how it's going to work. And then the fact that it's Krang sending them, 
That's like an immediate pass for me. Okay, I believe it. Yeah, you're good. All right, let's move on. And then the fact that they're going to be going up against Batman's villains as well. Oh my god. That's what I can't wait to see. I I really want them to hurt a villain so bad and then turn to him and kind of go, "This is it. This guy's causing you trouble." <laughs> this this Joker in a scarecrow mask. This is it. <laughs> That's what I want to see. You call that a killer croc? You've never met Leatherneck. Really? God. <laughs> so many good jokes just pending there. And the facts that it's the fact that it's James Tidian the fourth working mm-hmm. on this as well, suddenly it's like again, boom, credit where credit is deserved. I'm justifiably excited and trust that this will actually be awesome. And especially taking into consideration the recent success of the TMNT crossovers that we've seen, like with the X-Files and the Ghostbusters and stuff like that. And that was freaking awesome. We had some great stuff and it, it made sense and you were willing to roll with it. So freaking TMNT and Batman. Wow. I cannot wait for this. Mm-hmm. The fact too, that there's a Star Trek Green Lantern. I know you're not interested, but I hadn't even heard about this and I only heard about it because they mentioned it in this article. So that's supposed to be coming out this month, if it hasn't already. And I'm going to be tracking that shit down and damn it, and reading it. <laughs> I cannot wait to read that. Actually, the two sound like they'd be a perfect fit together. So that's going to be awesome to read. Which green lantern? I don't care. <laughs> Just It'll saying. Awesome. <laughs> you know, Hal and Kirk are pretty much the same character, but you know, there could be some interesting, friction there if they go with guy or john it could be the entire green lantern core dude yeah awesome stuff (laughs) switching tracks over to the marvel side of the thing again like i said marvel didn't have a whole lot to talk about that we haven't already covered because they're saying pretty tight-lipped on what's happening after secret wars and even on the actual secret wars panel they didn't have a whole lot to talk about and like it's thing like the most interesting thing to come out of this was the fact that they kind of said that Weird World might be carrying forward, which is cool. The first issue of Weird World, awesome. Loved it. A lot of fun. But that's like the most noteworthy thing to come out of this. They also talked about some of the ideas they didn't go with and how every writer that was at the retreat instantly had seven or eight ideas that they wanted to go with, which tells me that the writers want to be a whole lot more creative than Marvel is letting them yeah. be. Because as like I said, some of the Secret War stuff incredibly creative and this was them holding the guys back they talked about uh hickman was saying that at the initial retreat they came up with a book called the good the bad and the angry which was a series about the incredible hulk as a gunfighter (laughs) tell me you wouldn't read that based on the title alone and they they kind of repurposed it and that's what we know as the uh, 1872 comic which is okay but actually it wasn't bad you didn't like it it was okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it. it. It wasn't. I, it, I wasn't jumping up and down with it though. Oh, I wasn't jumping down. But compared to recent True. crap, this was actually. I read this and went, "Hey, this was actually pretty good." Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was just a lot of hey, we're not being, you know, we're we could be a lot more. It, it's this. It's the flashpoint scenario where we saw what the writers were capable of, yeah. and then what they'll let them do. Yeah. But uh, 
there was actually a lot of really cool stuff coming from the Inhumans and X-Men panel. And since I don't care about the Inhumans, I'm only going to talk about the X-Men. <laughs> they were talking about extraordinary X-Men, and you get the traditional writer squabble of who gets what characters. But it's actually really cool that apparently extraordinary X-Men is going to be the flagship title going forward. Really? And yeah, Jeff Lemire said that he got first pick of whatever characters he wanted and made everybody else angry <laughs> because they all wanted Nightcrawler or Storm. And uh, so he got to handpick his favorite mutants and saying that magic is pretty much the best mutant ever and that he really wants to get into that character, all the stuff in her past, as well as, you know, the stuff that Ben just did with her about her training with Doctor Strange. Magic has been a great character for the last couple of years. So I'm really happy to see that that's going to continue. And if the other writers weren't mad enough, he's also getting Ramus. Yes. (laughs) That's the ultimate middle finger to them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you got a problem with me and these X-Men? <laughs> I'm getting Ramus. And that uh, the central character is going to be, of course, Storm as the leader, where now she's the one carrying the burden of Xavier's dream after Scott Summers so royally screwed that one up. We'll see what uh, Aurora can, drew, can do with that scenario. Uh, yeah, they talked a little bit more about some of the other stuff. Uh, some of the stuff Colin Bunn had to say about Uncanny X-Men was actually pretty interesting because he was the writer on Magneto, which when Magneto was good, it was really good. So if he can kind of continue that same writing style now moving into his team book, it could be pretty great. As he said, he wanted to put together a team that really is upholding Xavier's dream, but doesn't have any business doing so. And as we said, the team consists of Magneto, Psylocke, Phantom X, Mystique, and Sabretooth. And apparently this is the same Sabretooth uh, that we saw after Axis, where he's been somewhat inverted. So as he said, Sabretooth is the closest thing to a good guy on this team. (laughs) I was kind of on the fence about this one before, but now hearing him talk about it, I'm actually getting more interested. Which, of course, reminded me that Greg Land is drawing the Oh, damn it. (laughs) Here I'm sitting going... This is sound half bad, actually. It might be good. And you hear Grant Glad. Bastard. It's, it's like pulling the rug out from under you. And then one other cool little thing that happened at the panel. A fan asked, with Wolverine dead and replaced but with an old guy, he wanted to know if old man Logan is still the best he is at what he does. And Jeff Lemire, who was writing Extraordinary X-Men with old man Logan, as well as the old man Logan solo series, said, he's older and wiser. And Axel Alonzo chimes in. He's like, I disagree. I think Wolverine is absolutely the best she, the best she is at what she does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's all I had out of Marvel this year. But uh, you had some Spider-Man stuff. Basically, they glossed over it. This is just like the... I, again, they're not talking about I know. Much. So just to run through, because we're getting a ton of Spidey here. There's there's the actual Spidey series. There's more Spidey than X-Men. Yeah, when there did is. That this is going to be a, a younger Peter, and it's going to be aimed more towards a younger audience as well kind of thing as an introduction. Amazing is going to see Peter going global with his company and basically getting cockier than normal, and things always go bad when he gets cocky. Spider-Man will be Miles, and the way they described it, it's basically, it's Miles being Peter, just you're going to see how mm-hmm. Miles deals with it. And it's like, I don't want to see Miles being Peter. I want to see Miles being Miles. One so, important question. Is Genki going to be around? I exactly. Don't I don't know. But there's no Peter Parker. Because they asked mm-hmm. about that. If there was the ultimate universe, Peter Parker, what about him? They said, he's got he's dead. Spider-Man 2099 
is going to be going basically back and forth in time, and he's going to be working at Parker Industries as well. So we're going to no doubt be seeing tie-ins between those two mm-hmm. series as well. Spider-Woman, dear Lord, Hopeless is still on the series, which means I'm not reading it. She's going to be pregnant, having a kid, and they're going to be dealing with that. Judging by sure how he's going to handle that one. It really, yeah, that's it. So based on how he's handled a whole bunch of other stuff on that series, there's a reason why I gave up on it. So I'm sadly not going to be reading this. Spider-Gwen, the only thing they talked about that I read was how that universe's Norman Osborn is going to be introduced, and that never goes well. So basically that's that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a Spider-Man Deadpool comic, which... Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's not just going to be a Spider-Man Deadpool comic. It's being written by Joe Kelly and drawn by Ed McGinnis. Well, we've seen many times, especially over the last couple of years, Ed McGinnis is only getting better at what he does. But as far as Deadpool is concerned, they're the two guys who made Deadpool who he is today. And teaming up with Spidey, I love it. (laughs) The only thing that concerned me initially, and this was brought up in other things that they answered in, in interviews and whatnot, is because you've got two of the cut-ups versus having a straight man. And Deadpool always works better with a straight man. But then as I was reading more about it, they were saying how it's basically they kind of take turns at points being the smart ass and the straight man. So in that regard, I'm, I'm curious and I'm really looking forward to seeing it, especially to see the impact that Deadpool will have on Spider-Man to make Spider-Man the normal one of the two kind of thing. So, so yeah, no, I, this is something that I am looking, I'm not wigging out like everybody else has been, mm-hmm. but no, I am looking forward to reading it. Well, in assorted, you know, small single issue stories or one shots or mini series over the past couple of years, Deadpool Spidey has been gold. Yeah. Like the last couple of times they've crossed over have been some of the best comics I've read. So I'm hoping they can continue with that on a larger scale. Not as just as like a one-off. Yeah. Uh, Venom is going to be Venom Space Knight, and it's going to be basically a chance for Thompson to be a hero in space. They did say there's going to be kind of some team-ups. It almost sounded like B-list kind of characters. If he's out in space, B-list is generous. Exactly. So we'll see what happens there. And then Carnage, they were saying it's kind of a tumor. Tumor Dracula meets Carnage, which made very little sense to me, but okay. I... I haven't read Carnage in a long time. You've actually read more of him recently than I have. Very hit or miss. Yeah. So we'll see. They briefly mentioned the Web Warriors thing, which is the Spider-Verse tie-in kind of thing. I, if they, Do you know who's writing for Web Warriors? I didn't see that. Uh, Mike Costa. Okay. That means nothing. Ooh, he's done some of the Spider-Verse related stuff. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah, actually, yeah, I do remember that name now. I think he's writing the Spider-Verse Secret War series. Okay. The... Only thing we heard from Silk, they're rebooting it at number one, and they were talking about the Sinister Silk, which is the play on words with the Sinister Silk. Who knows what that'll be for her. But And that was about it. And then they had Ramus on one of the panels for Spidey as well, and he was thanking everybody for his run on Spider-Man, but that he was heading over to X-Men, which is too bad, but hey, we love X-Men, so I'm I'm happy to see <laughs> Spider-Man him. can't hog him forever. Yeah. So... <laughs> At least he's not drawing Daredevil or somebody we don't care yeah, about. Yeah, really, that'd be horrible. Don't make me read crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it that I saw for, for Spidey News, actually. They 
they glossed over a lot. But then I guess, mm -hmm. I mean, last year was all the Spideyverse. So it makes sense that, you know, it's kind of died down a bit. Well, again, you look at what the big stuff for Marvel was this year. It was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was Agent Carter. It was, you know, Lego Avengers. It was, you know, their animated stuff. Typically, Marvel has a really good comic presence at Comic-Con. It's just the current state of the publishing line. They, they're tight-lipped on just about everything. Aside from that, Roger, I'm going to talk about Street Fighter. It's my show. You can't stop me because this is comic-related. <laughs> Udon Entertainment, who has been publishing numerous uh, graphic novels for Street Fighter for many years now, has announced that starting in December they're finally launching a Street Fighter monthly series called Street Fighter Unlimited. It's uh, going to be written by Ken Siu Chong, who is one of the many Street Fighter writers they have on staff, and drawn by Joe Ng and Edwin Huang, who, of course, is from Skull Kickers. And they'll be alternating in uh, four-issue story arcs, as well as each issue is going to have a very short backup story with a number of writers uh, already slated, one of which is, of course, Jim Zub. So one of the things Capcom has done with Street Fighter V coming up next year is really focused more in on the story and the characters. And they've said that this comic series is going to directly tie into the story of the upcoming game. So the artwork Udon puts out is some of the best on the planet, especially when they're doing Street Fighter. So uh, I'm actually really happy for this. It's not going to be any injustice. What? Fighting game comic. Meh. But Injustice isn't a fighting game comic. It's a comic loosely based on the story of a crappy fighting game. Yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about comics based on Street Fighter. And they're awesome. I compared it to a comic book based on Injustice fighting game. Same goddamn thing. Are you moving on or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were also a couple of uh, really cool licensed comics aside from Street Fighter that were mentioned this year that uh, caught your interest. The the first one for me was this twist from Joss Whedon. I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw that, but I saw. I mean, he asks what's, what's the answer to the most personal question that can be put to us, which is why isn't there a Victorian female Batman? And it was like right there, and I saw the image. I went, "Sold, you got me, you got me." We just we just talked about her on uh, For the Lords, Emily Caldwell. So no, it's not, is it? No, You're joking, but, right? And tell oh, me, okay. Emily Caldwell from Dishonored is okay. female Victorian Batman. All right. Yes, yes. Sorry, I thought you meant that's what this was on. I was going, <laughs> dude, that'd be awesome. Oh my god, it suddenly got even better. Uh, uh, so yeah, that caught my attention. It's it's very very cool. Um, I, I I don't like that. Um, the character was this meek chambermaid, quote unquote, who's fed to the dark horrors. And then they don't explain what that is. And it's after that, instead of dying, then she becomes badass. And I was like, eh, I kind of wish she just was plain badass. And she's badass because she's badass, not because she got changed. But anyways, still cool. The other one that was very cool was this Threadworlds. Um, yes. Again, we're huge fans of Avatar The Last Airbender. So when, a, when one of the creators, Brian, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Konietzko? Hey, sure. I didn't butcher it. That was awesome. That was exactly right. Um, he wanted to start something new and fresh that's not Avatar related. 
because he worked both on that as well as on Korra. So him and the other co-creator kind of take a break and do something different. So he went to Kickstarter for this Threadworlds, which is going to be a comic that he's both writing and drawing. And I love it. Like, we didn't get a ton of it. It's a different world kind of thing. They kind of look like these anthropomorphs rabbit kind of creatures or whatever and there's this young girl and she is going to be the main um character throughout of this and, and she's a young scientist and it's basically they said like an origin story of a scientific superhero and they weren't trying to be topical by having a female character but i mean we've seen nothing but strong characters in the avatar series so this just fits perfectly and the fact that they were saying to you if they can influence this generation not just young girls that want to be going to sciences but also boys then all the better so there were a lot of things that i was seeing about this that really had me quite interested i love how different this is you have to imagine he's got 11 years to think of things that aren't ancient Chinese. <laughs> so yeah. going in like a more sci-fi direction. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Very cool. And they're also going to be working on a core graphic novel, but I don't want to talk about that. Cause I haven't, we haven't finished watching Korra. Okay. Mm. Which I know is like horrible, especially because it is a, it's great. And B it's, it's done. It's been done for a while. And like, we were like really into it and we watched the crap load. And then we've just been sidetracked by a whole bunch of other shows lately that we've been watching either on Netflix or whatever much. So, and especially again with all these superhero shows and there's only so much time in day, but we have Mm -hmm. all the core episodes and it's just one of those, like one of these days, weekends we're binge watching and we're going to get caught up. So that's why I'm staying away from news about the graphic novel. A lot is like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't, I I know there was big news. I don't want to know. Forget it. But uh, I believe it's IDW has announced a comic based on one of your favorite franchises of all time. It's back to the future, dude. (laughs) <laughs> to the future come on yeah i saw that and i thought that was pretty cool the the thing that i liked again is that they're not just going to tell us the same stories that we've seen time and time again it's going to be the in-between kind of little stuff that's been going on that we didn't necessarily see and i'm hoping there'll be some continuing new stuff maybe or whatever so i'm hoping they don't rely too much just on just on that nostalgia and relying on that by using the same characters and everybody and, you know, different settings that we've seen in the movies. I want to see some fresh original stuff with the, these characters. So if we can get that, that'd be awesome. I want them to pick up right where the Telltale game left off. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Jeez. They're also doing the Star Trek thing too, Star Trek mm-hmm. Academy, which I'm actually more excited for Star Trek Academy, I got to tell you, than... Hmm. Yeah, I know. Surprising. Although it's always one of those, you know, it depends on what you're watching at the time. And because like we binge watch shows, so we've been actually watching Enterprise and we never watched Enterprise when it came. We're enjoying it. What are you talking about? I I don't know. You didn't like it? I thought most people liked Enterprise. And and that was that. Okay. Ah, well, that's odd. Uh, The people that I knew who watched Enterprise in its time kept telling me that we should be watching it, but we never did. I heard it got better before it got worse again, so I don't know. Okay. Well, we're enjoying it. I, I enjoy the characters, actually, and the actors are all good. We like Scott Bakula as well. So we're enjoying it. So we're, anyways, we're, I think we're on season two now. And um, and so anyways, we're in that 
again, that Star Trek mindset right now that mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. So whenever I was hearing Star Trek news, I was like, yeah, that'll be awesome. Star Trek and Green Lantern. Oh, my freaking Lord. And and then the Star Trek Academy, there's some cool stuff in there. I like that we're going to be seeing not just the rebooted cast, but also some different people that they said, too. So, again, if we put it in the hands of some good writers that can make us care about these new characters that, hey, who knows, they may show up in the movies in one day. I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Since you said Star Trek, it reminded me of another announcement that everybody's freaking out about uh, from Marvel that apparently, and brace yourself, the Darth Vader comic is going to be crossing over with the main Star Wars comic. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought that was like, oh my God, no crap. Like <laughs> They're all in the same goddamn universe. <laughs> uh, why is this surprising? I know. Like, okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Did you hear about the greatest troll job in the history of Comic-Con, though? No. At the Star Wars panel. At the end of the panel. Oh, yeah. They invited all 6,000 attendees. 6,500, I heard. Whatever. 6,000 plus. Oh, yeah. 500 people. That's nothing. (laughs) Down the street for a special Star Wars concert. So all 6,000 people got up, left Hall H, walked several blocks down the road, well, as they said, Mark Hamill was driving by in a car, high-fiving all the fans and, saying, <laughs> and went to a concert. That's awesome. Star Wars wasn't the last panel in Hall H that day. And all the people waiting outside didn't want to come in because they were waiting for the Warner Brothers panel the next day. So Kevin Smith gave his presentation to a couple dozen reporters <laughs> in an empty hall. I didn't see that. That's hysterical. <laughs> there are some pictures going around of him just in an empty arena. Oh He's like God. sitting down next to the few people that are there just talking. To I will have to find that. That's hysterical. I didn't see that. I saw the, the Star Wars concert and all the lines going, which they said was surprisingly orderly, and uh, and the concert. So I thought that was freaking awesome. And mm-hmm. But I didn't hear about Kevin Smith. Oh, God. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I'll have to find that. All right, that's going to wrap up our San Diego Comic-Con talk. Like we said, not not a great year for either of us. Some cool stuff, but uh, overall, kind of meh. And uh, in the interest of time, we're actually going to pass on what we're reading this week. Is there anything that you absolutely cannot wait until next week to talk about, Roger? I want to talk about Groot, but I'll wait until next week. Okay. But, I did you read it? You, have, you bastard. I, I, I have both issues. Everybody else listening to read Groot number two by next week. You have your homework assignment. (laughs) We're going to be talking and spoiling every single part of it. So we're just going to dive right into our new releases for today. From Marvel, we have Armor Wars number three, Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders number one, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps number two, Guardians of Nowhere number one, as well as Hail Hydra number one. It's finally happening. We have the final issue of Hawkeye with number 22. They've only published three issues of the next series before that one came out. Uh, We also have Planet Hulk number three, Secret Wars Battle World number two, and Siege number one. From DC, we have Black Canary number two, Doctor Fate number two, Justice League 42, Martian Manhunter number two, Robin Son of Batman number two, and Superman Wonder Woman number 19. From Image, we have Invincible, number 121, Postal, number 5. Before I forget, they did talk a little bit about Invincible at Comic-Con. Oh, did they? How they're doing their version of a reboot. 
Mark travels back in time and tries to fix everything he screwed up. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> no. Listen, it's invincible. All right. Don't get upset until you actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Invincible number 121, Postal number 5, and Skull Kickers number 33, the next to last issue. From IDW. I almost had a little bit of a sad right there. I know, really. Right there. (laughs) (laughs) From IDW. I have never wanted to read a comic more in my life based on three words. Godzilla in hell. Okay, I might actually read that. I might read that. (laughs) Uh, That's actually a a miniseries they're doing with uh, (laughs) different artists on each uh, issue. And uh, this issue is... Versus... Poyo in hell. <laughs> I'm seeing it in big bold letters, two page spread. Come on, Giori. Made it, I would pick pay it up. money for that pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this issue is actually drawn by uh, James Stokoe, who was amazing. He did that half century war miniseries for them uh, last year. And then rounding out the list, we have Valiant for with uh, Book of Death number one, as well as Dead Drop number three. And that's going to wrap us up here. Man. God, I screwed that up completely. Wow. You know, it's a bad outro when even I have to redo it. Dude, every episode. I told you, but I'll record know, one and but press no, a but, button. But normally I just roll with it. <laughs> and that's going to wrap it up for us here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Special shout out to everybody who showed up live for this episode because we actually did a double feature with our gaming podcast, For the Lore. You can find that at forthelore.com, where we covered some of the games that were announced at San Diego Comic-Con. But Roger wouldn't let me talk about Street Fighter. So I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. You're not going to even tell them about Popcorn Ronin again. Horrible at this job. I don't know why I keep Listen, you around. I really don't. We we record it so frequently, <laughs> but we did record one. We recorded yes, an we ep- uh, episode of Popcorn Ronin just but a few days ago. We're not going to tell you what it's about because it's a, it's a surprise. That's right. um, but I didn't actually. I didn't release it yet. I'm still editing it. I'll try to put it out at the same time as this. So make sure to check the popcornronin.com though. Just keep checking. It'll show up in the next couple of days. And it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. All right. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.